We love the wise men. I mean, just look at any crush scene that is around. If it's not just the holy three, if you don't know who that is, Joseph, Mary, and the baby, the holy three, then it usually has the full complement. We don't just have an angel or we don't just have a star. We have three wise men and we have shepherds. Maybe we have the little drummer boy, which that's not even in the Bible. So, you know, we have, we have all these things, but we love the wise men. And oftentimes in our crush scenes, they're the little splash of diversity that we might have. Because one of them might have skin color that's different than mine. What? Sure, Balthazar. And you got his name from where? Where? Sure, the Catholics gave us the name of the wise men because they were there. Right, right, right. And so we have, we, there's this whole tradition that comes up around, around the wise men. Well, one, that they were men, and that's probably relatively likely traveling that far across things, the three of them, if, that, if that's all that there were. Oh, hang on, three? It doesn't say there were three. It actually doesn't even say that they were men, to be honest. It says they were magi. And, and magi, we believe, as much as we've studied and looked at the time and the place, magi were of a priestly class somewhere around what we would call Persia, or what would have been called Persia. And they were astrologers. They watched the stars to see signs of what might be coming. And they, like many people in this particular time in history, were looking for signs that someone was coming. These magi, we believe, were often looking for new prophets and and people to bring wisdom. And so what's interesting is that they are even included in the story because they are non-Jews who practice an illegitimate art. Like the Hebrews do not practice astrology. They might watch the phases of the moon because of harvest time and all of that, but they don't look at the stars to tell them what's going to happen. That was something that, that was sort of akin to, this, to being a witch. But yet, Epiphany and the story of these wise men coming was actually celebrated before Christmas was celebrated. Before the birth of Jesus became a big celebration in the church, as it came to be known, the coming of these wise men, these magi from the east was celebrated. Them following the star was celebrated before the birth of Jesus was celebrated. I find that fascinating. We love the wise men. And what's interesting is Jesus comes into the world, right? Jesus comes to the world, but then through this story, the world comes to Jesus. The world comes to Jesus. Jesus' coming is not just some parochial, some small event meant just for these people. At least in the story, we see that he is going to have larger implications, this child. And what's interesting then is 
And so in the time of King Herod, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Wise men or magi came from the east asking where he was come. We, we are able to date Jesus's birth because of this mention of King Herod. Because this is the, we believe this is the original King Herod. There were many King Herods and in the Bible there are many of them. So it's confusing. You have to really pay attention to who we're talking about here. But we're talking about this King Herod who died in what we now call 4 B.C., or 4 BCE, for those of you who've been to school a little more recently. Before the common era, BCE. BC used to be before Christ, is what we would say shorthand. Well, he died 4 BC. So Jesus was born before year one. <laughs> In the, what we would call the common era, or the year of our Lord even. So that's also just a little bit of interesting history for you. What I find interesting in this passage from Matthew is that when King Herod heard this, that they had come to visit the king of the Jews, we've come to give him homage, it says, he was frightened at all Jerusalem with him. All Jerusalem was frightened. Now, you have to understand, Bethlehem is right outside of Jerusalem, not too far. You know, you could have walked there very easily in a, maybe an hour I'm guessing, or less. I mean, it's hard to tell now when you're there because, you know, it's, everything feels really, really super close to each other. But Jerusalem, the old city is much larger or it feels much larger and the Jerusalem's huge and it sort of encompasses Bethlehem. Anyway, so it's close, but you're like, all Jerusalem is afraid. I, I, I find that fascinating. I don't have anything to do with that other than just to bring it to your attention because if it's in the scripture, I think we ought to pay attention to it somehow. So Herod calls together his people like, okay, where's he supposed to be born? And it says in Bethlehem. And so he calls the, he calls the Magi back together and says, hey, hey, please go. You know, go find him and then tell me where he is because I, I'm going to pay him homage. This is not the first time that a politician has lied. Just FYI. I mean, Herod is a despicable human being. Let's just be honest about that. Herod had his, some of his wives killed. He had some of his sons killed because he was so afraid that anything would come between him and the power that he had. Now, Herod was also an amazing builder. If you go to Israel now, you go to many sites, many places where Herod built temples where he built fortifications, where he built, literally built cities out of nothing, using slave labor, of course. But they're beautiful. They're amazing. I mean, he did all of these things, but it really was because of his ego. His ego was so big and so fragile that he didn't want anything to get in the way of it. And he was going to make sure that he had a place in history. And anything that came in between him and being the ruler, he was going to get rid of. After this story, we hear, of course, that then because the wise men go home another way, he has all of the children, all the male children of a certain age killed. At least that's in the scripture. So the wise men, the magi, they go on and, and they bring to Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And as I was thinking about this week, I was thinking, well, man, they must not have brought him much gold. Because if they had brought him a lot of gold, they wouldn't have had to become refugees and run away. They could have paid people off to hide them right where they were. 
but they brought him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I thought in my own sort of crass, cynical way, well, what benefit were these gifts to the Magi bringing them to Jesus, this child? Because most of the time when we give gifts, we're looking for a benefit for us. We like the quid pro quo. I mean, you know, you know how it is sometimes you have some friends and it's like, oh yeah, we're going to invite you over for dinner. Oh, and then you're like, oh no, now we got to invite them over for dinner. Quid pro quo. We're like, oh, what, what is this? I know we don't do that, dear. My wife's talking to me. I know we don't do that. Yes, I know we don't do that. We don't invite people to our house. That's how we take care of that. Yeah, especially since March like 16th. We just don't invite people to our house. Makes it really easy. Thanks, dear. Now you got me off track. Appreciate that. But what... What benefit were these gifts to the Magi? They weren't. They gave them and they took off. They just wanted to honor something that they believed was amazing and cosmic and would change things. They they just wanted to honor this one who maybe maybe they thought that it was just a prophet to the Jews and wouldn't have much effect on them. Who knows? But they they just wanted to bring these gifts and and lay them at Jesus' crib or his feet or wherever he was at the time. And so my reverse question for us is, is what does the gift of Jesus to us, what is Jesus coming into the world, what does that allow for us to become? What does it show us and what does it then call us to do? James Howell, a, a biblical scholar, says that Jesus doesn't make my life easier or more comfortable. So when you hear those preachers on TV say, you know, that, hey, when you get right with Jesus, all of a sudden everything's just going to go, you know, turn up roses for you. Just remember, most of the time you're going to get the thorns. Jesus wore the thorns. Jesus does not make my life easier or more comfortable. And that is something that we try to fight for with our very lives, isn't it? Most of what we do is to try to make our lives easier and more comfortable. And anything that disrupts that, just like Herod, anything that disrupts that, we will fight against with all that we are and all that we have. When we are called to question about how we live our lives, about how we are doing things, we will fight against that. We will deceive ourselves and we will do almost anything in order to hang on to what we think is ours. Cue video of Wednesday at the Capitol building. Jesus says, hello world, and the ways of the world come undone. The powers shake. We ought to quake. Because what we find in Jesus is that we cannot justify ourselves any longer. We cannot earn the salvation, earn the goodwill of God anymore. Why? Because Jesus comes to give it to us. Jesus comes to give his life that the sin of our wanting to hold on to things that we think we have earned, that that sin can be broken and forgiven over and over again. 
Jesus in his first appearance in the gospel of Mark, there is no birth story in Mark. So this is his first. He bursts on the scene and he says, hello world. And John is ready for him. He says, there's one who is coming. And the, the River Jordan is really a borderland. It's really the border in the Bible. It's the border between the, the wandering, the wilderness, and the promised land. It is this liminal space. It is the space between heaven and earth, in a sense. It is on the edges, just like the Magi who came, who weren't part of the community. It was on the edges. And this is where we are shown who Jesus is. And that's often where the greatest insights to love and hope and peace and joy come from. They come from the margins. They don't come from the middle. They don't come from the seats of power. They don't come from us trying to hold on to what we think we have earned. It comes when we give up those things, when we are broken upon the rock of our salvation, just like the heavens were torn apart and God spoke to the one who was baptized. We love the wise men. And they come from the margins, the edges, from those who are least expected. And so today, as we remember Jesus saying, hello, world, may we as the world come to him to lay our lives as our gifts before him not expecting salvation to be given to us because we've done something, but to receive the gift that is Jesus, the gift of hope, of mercy, of grace, and love for all people. Amen.